welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are having a great Monday if you're listening to this when it comes out or just a great day if you're listening to it after. I just sat down. I got a nice little cup of an afternoon iced coffee, which I'm going to take a sip of. But I'm just so thankful that you're here listening today. I am just on this kick and I talked about this in the last couple of podcasts, but I have been in the most positive mindset and kind of like headspace over the past few weeks and it is so refreshing to have. It's something that I haven't had for a while, especially with motivation with work and I've just been pouring myself into planning out podcasts and especially on YouTube content, planning out new videos and really throwing myself into work and trying new things that I haven't done before and just feeling really content with that. It's amazing how fulfilled you can feel just by doing stuff like that. And so I am just in like a really good spot right now. And if you're not in a good spot right now, just know that there are seasons of life and it will come to you eventually. And though this might not be the best season for you personally, that yours will be coming I want to start off with just doing a little bit of an intro, kind of a life update, as I always do. And then I actually have a couple of like housekeeping things I want to talk about in regards to the podcast. And then I'm going to go into answering your advice questions. These are some of my favorite episodes to do because I always get the most just thoughtful questions from you guys. I ask for questions on my Instagram, which is just at Michelle Reed, which I know that I should be using a podcast Instagram. And that's something I want to talk about later on. But I just use it on my personal podcast or my personal Instagram right now. So you can just ask me questions there. You guys asked so many good questions in regards to relationships and career and so many different things. Budgeting, finance, and I just got some really good ones this episode. And so I love to do these pretty frequently because it's a good way for me to interact with you guys. But also, I just think you guys bring up some good topics. If you're not someone who likes listening to a whole podcast on one topic, I can kind of talk about a lot of different things in each thing for like five minutes or so. And so I think it's good if you're someone who just likes to listen to a lot of different things. But For a little life update, like I said, over this past week, I've really just been doing a lot of work stuff. It's been a very productive week, which is some of my favorite weeks ever. I am actually trying to finish our apartment right now because I'm doing an apartment tour next weekend officially. I'm going to film it. And so we needed some last minute things in terms of just like random stuff to finish our apartment. I was really annoyed because I was supposed to get our nightstands for our bedroom But I had issues with the delivery because they couldn't get into our apartment and Aiden could not find them and I wasn't home and I was on a work call and so it was just chaos, honestly. And so they're actually coming on Saturday to deliver our nightstand, so I'm really excited for that. But we had to get like some wall art and just a lot of random stuff, so... I feel very content that our home is finally almost finished and so excited to share in a video because that's a video that I've been wanting to do for quite some time now. But yeah, I feel like life has been pretty normal. We've been in a routine and sometimes whenever I'm kind of stuck doing the same old, same old, I feel really uninspired. But lately, for some reason, I've just been loving our routine. I've been loving waking up around 8 o'clock, doing my morning chores, getting my workout in, getting all my work done for the day and then feeling really satisfied at night like cooking watching our show we did a date night last night that was really fun and I've just been liking the routine my family's coming over tonight and I've just been liking being home I think part of that is because we've been really finishing our apartment but it's been nice just to enjoy it and not feel guilty for being home but being like you know I've invested we've invested so much into the space so really just getting to enjoy it is really nice but I wanted to talk about a couple of kind of housekeeping things. One thing that I get a lot of questions about is if I'm going to update 
my podcast to get a podcast Instagram. I know that a lot of people have Instagram accounts just for their podcast. It's a really great way to interact with people. It's a good way to get feedback on episodes and kind of separate it from my personal brand and just have it just for the podcast. And But what's next has definitely been growing over the past couple of months. And so that's something that I want to do. However, I just personally do not have the time to keep up with an Instagram. I can't even post enough on my own Instagram. Instagram is just not my forte. I'm definitely more of a video person. I like putting together video footage as opposed to photos. It's why I hate creating thumbnails, but I really like creating videos. I'm just not like a static image person. And so if I ever do a podcast Instagram, eventually I want it to be something that someone else runs. So I want to hire someone to do that. I've had a lot of people reach out to me if I want them to run it. But my issue is I really want to make sure whenever I hire someone that A, I can pay them really well to just do a really good job. I want it to be the right person. And I also want to be consistently getting ads on my podcast so I can just use all the money that I get from the ads to pay someone to do all that. And that's just not a place that I'm at right now. I feel like I really want to get more podcast ads, but I'm still working on that. And so as soon as I have more ads in the podcast, I will definitely hire someone to kind of manage that. I'll obviously still be working on it, but I want them to be helping with the photos on it and just like monitoring all that stuff. I'm also really excited because I'm going to do an update on the podcast cover because my cover I did last year around this time and I'm just in a much different place. I got some new photos done, so I want it to be like a tangible photo and just kind of give my podcast a little facelift. And so I'll probably try to time the two of those at the same time, hopefully, but I think that the podcast cover art might be done before I kind of get a hold on the Instagram thing. So another thing I would like to have someone actually edit the podcast too, because I have been throwing myself into YouTube really right now and doing a lot of YouTube stuff. And I have another project I want to work on. And this is just something that I think would be very easy to hire someone to help me with instead of just having me do this because it does take up quite a bit of time, but it's something I'm really passionate about. So I would like just having some help in this area. But yeah, I'm really thankful that I'm at the point where I need help with it, you know? It's nice that there are things to work on. It's been my baby for so long, and so I'm kind of ready to hand it off to someone to help me out with. So I've had people reach out. You can definitely reach out to my email if you guys want to. It's just butwhatsnextpod at gmail.com. If you are having experience in this area, if that's something that you are able to help with, I am, again, trying to hire someone, but it will a little bit because once those ads start rolling more I will definitely dive into it more but yeah that's something that I'm really excited about um but like I said I've been really trying to focus on YouTube and really diversify my vlogs I feel like I got stuck in a phase of just doing vlog content but I'm ready to start doing different videos to kind of talk about the things that I talk about in my vlogs but really attract an audience who likes those specific things so that's what I've been working on for the past bit and that's where my main passion is so I just like to spend most of my time on that but that is kind of it I got a lot of questions so I think I'm just gonna roll right into the questions I would like to note that a lot of people sent really nice paragraphs before they got into the question I'm just not gonna read those because I want to get through as many as I can but I'm very thankful for the people who sent just really sweet messages, it means a lot. And I'm really, really appreciative that everyone's sending these questions. It makes my day that people actually interact. So this first one says, my best friend from college has been distancing herself from me for a while. 
She rarely responds to my texts or calls, and she unfriended me on Instagram and Facebook out of the blue. Here and there, she says congrats on the new job or writes back, you too, and I wish her Merry Christmas, but it is largely silence and distance. She acts in the same way with our two other close friends from college. She moved home after graduation, and her home life is very different from our college life. In college, she had two boyfriends who treated her terribly, manipulating, shaming, controlling, that kind of thing. If she wanted to move on and not be so close to me anymore, I can be at peace with that. In the back of my mind, though, I wonder if her current boyfriend is controlling and manipulative. I wonder if he is pressuring her to drop her old friends or worse, monitoring her messages. Ooh, that's awful. Honestly, I have no idea if this is the case. I hardly know this boyfriend. I hardly know what's going on in her life anymore. However, I've experienced with loved ones having abusive partners, and I worry. Should I call her, expose myself to getting hurt even more just in case she needs help, or just let her go since she seems to want distance? I'm afraid of how much her words could hurt me if she just wants to end our friendship regardless of her boyfriend. This one is very hard, but I think it's a very common thing. If it is the boyfriend, a lot of times people start dating someone new and they just kind of drop their friends. Maybe it's because the boyfriend is saying he doesn't like her friends. Maybe it's because she is in a different place in life, but it also could be something totally different. Like maybe she is going through something or I think something that's just hard to accept if this is like after college. People change a lot. And that was something for me, you kind of can't get offended when people from college want to move on. It is hard if this is someone you're really close to, if this is like a best friend or whatever. You know, it may seem really shocking that she is just moving on. But people change a lot after college. And a lot of times you realize you want different friendships than the ones that you had in college. And I mean, there are a lot of people that I was friends with in college that now, like, we don't even really follow each other on social media. We aren't really friends, but it's not anything personal. It's just because it's sometimes not worth the time to keep in touch with people when you're just kind of at different stages of life. But again, that's a hard thing to admit. I personally think it would be worth reaching out to her. And if this is someone who was your best friend and you never really got closure reaching out and seeing why she doesn't really have an interest in keeping up anymore and just being honest and approaching it in a way where you're actually, you know, caring for her and caring for the reason why as opposed to, you know, coming at it with bitterness and anger of like, why did you drop me? Even though you do have a reason to be bitter for those things, you should just approach it with a lighthearted, you know, considerate attitude of, hey, like, what's up? I just want to check in on you. I feel like we haven't talked in a while. I hope everything is okay. You know, coming at it from a sincere angle and you're likely to get a better answer if you're using that angle. But I know it's really hard. Friendships are really tough. I want to do a whole episode on friendships because friendships are something that I personally am like not super great at. I have a few close friends and I've always said like, you know, I'm the kind of person who just does better with having few friendships, but I think friendships are really hard and relationships are really hard and it's something that I definitely haven't mastered so I'm probably not the best to give you answers on this but that's just my outside opinion on the situation okay it says my boyfriend and I have been dating for two years our relationship is extremely strong and he is my best friend I've never felt so comfortable with another person which means a lot because I struggle with anxiety and OCD making it really hard for me to trust trust others. My boyfriend and I share the same values and we are both on the same page about seeing our relationship leading to marriage in the future. He is two years older than me. My boyfriend will be graduating with his master's at the same time I am finishing undergrad. 
With all that being said, my boyfriend and I have talked about getting married once I graduate. I told him I would like to wait until I graduate to get engaged. My sister tends to think that getting married young isn't a good idea and that I shouldn't focus or that I should focus on my career first. However, I do love my boyfriend and we know we want to be together forever, so I don't see why I should push it off just to avoid being married young. I definitely put my trust in God's timing and I know that I shouldn't plan anything out because it will happen when it's bound to. But I was wondering how you handled any criticism or skepticism about getting married young. This is a really common question that I get. I think most of the, not most, but a lot of the questions I got were about, you know, getting engaged. When am I ready to get engaged? Getting married young? People's opinions about it. And so I've talked a lot about this subject, but I personally didn't really get a lot of criticism or I didn't have people saying, you know, do you really think that you're too young beyond just like people online that I don't know, which doesn't faze me because I don't really care about, you know, random people saying that they think I'm too young. But for me, I think you just have to know yourself. I will say from personal experience, I really liked having a year post-college to myself not being married. Now, Aiden didn't have that. We got married pretty much right after he graduated It was also during COVID though, so his last year wasn't even really like a real year. But it was nice kind of getting to figure out what I wanted in life, getting to figure out my independence, having a year of just being on my own and really enjoying that. But with that being said, I don't think you need that. It's just nice for me knowing that I'm never going to wonder about like, you know, did I spend enough time on my own? Did I get to throw myself into my career? Because I really did have that. But I will say there are things that marriage does change in life. But if you are on the same path with this person and if you aren't in a codependent relationship, if you're in a relationship where you spend a healthy amount of time apart, you each have your own interests and you respect that while also, you know, being a good partner to this other person, I think that it's totally doable to get married at whatever age is right for you and still having your passion, still having the things that you enjoy It's nice because when you're married, it's like you just have that with the other person and you can still enjoy everything you enjoyed apart, but you're married. Now, marriage does change a lot of things in terms of, I would say, especially finances. You're making a lot of financial decisions together. So if that's a concern, I would maybe wait off. I think, too, you're also dealing with two different families. So you don't just have your family now, you know, you have his family, too, and you're really conjoining you're doing holidays with the other person, that's a big change. And if you aren't living together yet, you know, obviously living together is a big change. But those are things that I think if you're in a healthy relationship, you work through. And I've never felt like I lost my independence. I think that our relationship is very healthy where I'm not forced to do anything. Like I'm not forced to make dinner every night. Like I'm not forced to hang out with his friends. I'm not forced to take time off of my work because I need to like hang out. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that life's like that. I almost feel more motivated in my career now that I have someone else who's working with me on our dreams. Like we have common goals and especially right now we want to buy a house. So I feel very motivated in my work and he totally understands that this is, you know, my focus right now because we have those shared goals. So I don't know if that helps, but I think that you just need to do what you and this guy want to do and not let other people's opinions kind of 
mess with your train of thought because at the end of the day you know what you want and it's totally okay if you do indeed want more time on your own like that is totally fine but don't let your sister's opinion keep you back because you think you won't be able to focus on your career because of what she said so that's just my two cents but I definitely know that's hard and I hope that this helped a little bit this one says how do you keep creating content without feeling like you're doing it for the views itself I'll explain I don't have a huge following nor do I consider myself an influencer I don't do brand deals or anything of that sort I have less than 500 followers I enjoy creating content for my stories such as Q&A's funny stories comedic movie reviews etc I love when people reach back out to me and comment on the things I post and I get to have conversations with them on interests that we share but lately I find it hard to differentiate between if I'm doing it for me or for others to enjoy and comment back. How do you create content without doing so for the validation of others, even if it is subconscious? This is a great question because this is something I've dealt with over the 10 years that I've been doing YouTube because there is so much pressure to create content that you know will perform well. There is so much pressure to create content that you are doing subconsciously because you think that people are going to like it. And Here is my two cents on this. And I was just thinking about this in the car the other day. So I will sometimes do videos that perform weirdly well compared to the rest of my other videos. What I can say is, yes, those videos perform well. Yes, I make a little bit extra on AdSense. Yes, maybe I gain some subscribers. But the people who truly enjoy my content, the people who truly enjoy watching and who engage with the content regularly... And let me just say that those aspects are what gets you brand deals. Those aspects are what get you to make money off of it is when you have a consistent following, people who are genuinely there, you genuinely like what you're creating, and also trust your product recommendations. Because a brand isn't going to work with you if you have one viral video, but then the rest perform not very well and you don't have routine people coming back. And I know this from my perspective of actually working at an agency because I was working on the other side and the people who actually sold a lot for brands were those who had very engaged followings, not people who were posting content because it's pretty or posting content because they knew it would perform well. It was the people who would honestly post like pretty average content, but people really liked their personality so they would buy stuff from them. And so I would say if you are trying to do this as a full-time job, if you're trying to make it your career and get brand deals, whatever it may be, the best advice I could give is to be authentic with what you're creating because that is what is going to, you know, keep it for the long term. If you want to play the long game, which is the game that you should be playing if you want to do this for the long term, you have to do that. And I personally notice when I'm creating content that I'm not fully 100% about, it shows It is very obvious and when I really like what I'm putting out, even if it doesn't perform super well, even if I don't get as many comments, even if people don't respond as much, I genuinely like what I'm doing so I'm motivated to keep going and over time you will find people will also be more excited about the stuff that you're genuinely excited about. There is a sweet spot between creating content that you like, you enjoy, but also content that is going to perform, you know, somewhat well. So for me, like I like vlogs, I like showing my life, I like showing little bits of my life, I like editing them, those are the aspects that I like. But I also know my viewers in terms of my analytics like longer videos. So I do make my videos somewhat longer in terms of my vlogs because I know they like that. 
So you take little pieces of things you know they're going to like, but also things that you like and put them together. And I think over time you kind of find this balance, but try asking yourself before you put out like a piece of content, you know, what, who am I doing this for? Am I doing this for me? Am I posting this for me or am I posting it because I know that people are really going to like it? And even if they are really going to like it and you know that, that's not necessarily bad, but it needs to be something that you feel comfortable posting and that you're not just doing for views or whatever. So I think you learn it over time, but it is a hard thing to kind of get started learning. So I really like this question, but it says, have you and Aiden experienced stress on how to balance family time and personal time in your relationship? Obviously, family time is really important, but how do you respectfully make it aware that you're married now so most of the focus is on your relationship? I like this question because I get this one a lot, but I will say we're in a very different situation because my family is all here. They live 45 minutes from us, so we see them pretty regularly, and Aiden's family lives in Vermont, so they are all up here, and his dad lives in Nebraska, and right now we're not necessarily traveling as much we do like to see them we saw them for thanksgiving we saw them at our wedding and i think we might see them in the spring but it's not one of those things where his family is calling to hang out with us and we can't because we can't it's because we can't because we're here in texas and so if you're struggling because both families are home i'm very thankful that both of our families are very respectful of our time. My family would never feel like mad if we didn't come to a family gathering. Granted, my family's very big, so even if only a few people come, it's still like a lot of family. But we also really like seeing my family. I mean, Aiden's usually the one who's asking before I am like, hey, we should do something with your family on Friday because it's just fun. At the same time, you do need those boundaries. I mean, we see my family once a week, usually maybe twice a week but for the most part once a week. And I think something that helps me is sometimes we will do things solo with our family. So sometimes I will go over and see my family and he will be working during the day and I'm giving my family that time and I'm also getting that time, but he's not there too. But I have a whole boundaries episode that I kind of talk about this more, but I haven't really struggled with having to put up these boundaries yet. But I think just being honest with them and saying like, you know, we really need to do a date night tonight. So like, it's just going to be us two. And it can be hard to kind of put up those boundaries, but maybe recommend like, oh, we're going to do this tonight, but maybe on this night we can do something and kind of putting in an alternative. But it is important to put those boundaries up, especially if you have family who really wants to see you all the time and you just can't do that. This next question is, what has been the hardest thing to buy less of in order to save money or be more minimalistic? So I like this question because I've been talking more about minimalism and saving money, these kinds of things. For me, the hardest thing is definitely clothes. Clothes is something that I love buying more of. I love switching up my style and even as a creator I like wearing different clothes in my videos and different clothes in my Instagram content but I personally know that not buying every single cute thing that I see on an Instagram ad is okay and I also know it saves money and I also know that I don't like having clutter in our closet and so I think every time that I do a closet clean out I kind of make a mental note that these are things that I was really excited to buy in the moment but they ended up in a donate pile like they ended up here and some things are things that I didn't even wear a lot and so really taking the time to kind of see that in the moment when you really want to buy something it may seem like you need it 
but actually recognizing that like you don't need it. And sometimes I will take a day and just not buy something, especially if it's an online purchase. I'll be like, okay, tomorrow if I still want this, I'll get it, but I'll wait a day. But clothes are definitely the hardest thing for me. I also really like home decor, but I don't like clutter, so I don't really want to buy a lot of home decor, but clothes are something that I always like switching up, so I would definitely say clothes. This one kind of relates to saving money, so I wanted to share it. It says, I just got married in November, and I'm loving watching all of your recipes. I am also trying to make meals for my husband and I, and I find that I'm spending so much money on groceries. Not sure what to do about it because we buy healthy groceries and never snack food as much as I want to. Just wondering if you have any advice on decreasing the grocery bill and or what your experience has been. So this is one that I am definitely very well aware of. It costs a lot of money to make recipes. It costs a lot of money to actually eat at home. And sometimes I'm like, it would actually be cheaper if we ate out more than when I make recipes because I'm just cooking for two people. But yeah, I remember when we first got married and I was like going out doing our first meal shop. I mean, Aiden also eats more food like I've only ever been just me so I didn't realize that you do have to buy more food when you're feeding another person as well but it's expensive I mean sometimes I'll go and spend like $200 a week on groceries and it's definitely pricey I really love half-baked harvest she is a recipe person online I love her recipes they're so good but I will say they take a lot of ingredients they take a lot of fresh ingredients and sometimes I would find when I was making four of her recipes a week they were really expensive. They were really expensive to buy all those items versus I recently got this cookbook. It's called The Defined Dish. It's kind of like a healthy-ish cookbook. I talk about it in all my videos, so I'm really excited to keep making those recipes, but her recipes are pretty simple. I find I only need to grab a couple of things at the grocery store. It's not as many items as Half-Baked Harvest, and so I think you can find recipes that are a little bit simpler and try to meal plan in terms of having the same stuff. So if you get, you know, green onions for a recipe or whatever, try to find a meal or two that you can actually use all of those. So kind of look at your recipes and make sure they're kind of using all the same stuff so you A, don't waste stuff, and you're B, not having to buy more stuff for other recipes. I think that is really helpful to do just to save money and really prepping out everything and writing out what you're going to eat throughout the week so you make sure you use everything. My friend Isabel also just got married, and we were talking about this the other day on FaceTime, but she literally meal preps for like a month. Like she writes down all of her meal plans and knows what they're going to eat for a month. And I only do this for a week and it seems pretty intense, but she doesn't spend as much on groceries, but she's also not making as like complex meals. So I do think you can try to simplify and that's really the only tip I have. And also maybe look at where you're shopping. So we shop at Trader Joe's and I find it's pretty affordable versus if I went to Whole Foods, like that would be really expensive. I mean, we did that once and I spent $250 and it wasn't even that many groceries, and I just will never do that again. I know Aldi is pretty cheap, too. They have more affordable prices, and they're affiliated with Trader Joe's. But try looking at that, too. But you're not alone. It is definitely hard. This one says, how do you make small steps towards savings when having a smaller income and many essential expenses? So for this one, this is really hard. And I'm just going to be completely honest. When you are just starting out and you don't have as big of a salary or you have a smaller salary and all your expenses are pretty much, is pretty much essential. So I'm talking about like rent, your utilities, your groceries and bare bones groceries. I mean, first go through those expenses and really make sure they're essential, but 
Two, it is a lot easier to save money when you're just practically making more money. Now, some people, when they make more money, really indulge in lifestyle inflation, which is when the minute you start making more money, you start to live like you're making more money and you just kind of negate all the money that you could be saving. But my biggest tip if you have a consistent income is make sure that your savings are going automatically out. So when you get paid, you pay yourself. That's what they call it. You pay yourself your savings. So maybe that's 10% of your money, 5%, whatever it is, whatever small amount that goes in directly first before those expenses. And two is just maybe look at ways that you can make a little bit extra money. So something that I like to do is Poshmark. I the other day donated a lot of my clothes, but I ended up selling the clothes that I bought myself. So the stuff that I hadn't gotten for free for YouTube stuff. And I think I made $70 off of the stuff. I sold 19 things at Plato's Closet and I made $70. So that's an easy way just to kind of make some extra money or selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace. That's another thing if you just have things that you want to sell to kind of kickstart those savings. But it is a lot easier to save money when you don't do lifestyle inflation, but you're making more money. So I think it's okay if you can't save a lot right now, if you just don't necessarily make as much to be able to do that, to not like compare yourself to someone else, but accept that and just save what you can. Like that is fine. And I wanted to go off of this because I think this question kind of has to do with that, but it says, Personally, I feel very behind of all my friends when it comes to saving. I feel like growing up, I was not able to save as much due to not working as often while being in school. And the fact that my parents made me pay for most of my stuff starting at a young age. I am 22 and have only saved about $4,000 for reference. I am hoping to save around 10000 total in the coming years. How do I not feel ashamed of my current savings? Do you have any tips on saving as much money as possible while still paying bills? I will also admit that I have somewhat of a shopping problem. So looking for your advice in that area also. So I want to say you cannot compare your finances to anyone else's. This is one of the issues that I have with videos that talk about like, you know, how much money I've saved or how much money I'm making or any of those things because I think subconsciously it's so hard not to compare yourself. Now I have a video about how to save $10,000 and that was just like tips from my perspective of how I saved that much but you can't compare to you can't compare yourself to anyone else and I would say $4,000 to have saved is still much more than the average American. I think there's a stat that said the average American has like or at least I listened to Dave Ramsey and he says that most people don't have an emergency fund of $1,000 if something went wrong. If a car broke down, they got a random bill, they don't even have that. So I don't think that you are far behind and don't be discouraged because that's still a lot of money. Like that's $4,000. Don't compare yourself to others and especially because like you said, everyone comes from such a different background. You said that you had to pay for a lot of your finances growing up. Your parents didn't pay for stuff for you versus a lot of people you know, had their parents paying for a lot of their expenses, maybe their college, maybe they had things that they had to buy growing up. So you just can't compare yourself to other people. Now, I will say you say that you have a bit of a shopping problem. So maybe that's something you can work on, like the energy you're spending comparing yourself to other people, maybe spend it on the shopping problem. And like I said, I think my last tip about waiting to make those purchases, like sleeping on them overnight, just not putting yourself in the situation where you're going to buy something. Like today, for example, I went to an appointment and next door there's a Tuesday morning, which is like a home decor store. And when I was going in, I was like, you know, maybe I'll stop by Tuesday morning after, you know, I don't need anything, but it would be nice just to browse around. 
And when I was walking out, I said, Michelle, you do not actually need anything in that store. So you're just not going to go in. So you just don't put yourself in the situation to spend money when you are trying to save that money too. And honestly, the more that you do that, the easier it gets. It's kind of like a muscle that you're training. And it's something that I used to be really bad at. I would just always like impulsively buy the things that I wanted in that moment. And there were phases of my life where I would do that more. And I think you just have to accept that when you start doing that once, it gets easier the more that you do it. And I think that also, like I said in the other question, paying yourself that savings beforehand so you don't even have that money to spend and put it in a different account. I think you can set up like a auto save where they automatically pull the money out of the account so it automatically goes out of there so you can't even spend it. And doing that at the start instead of getting your paycheck or whatever, doing your expenses and just keeping it there and being like, you know, I'm going to save whatever's left because likely there won't be a lot left. And I know that from personal experience when I wasn't automatically pulling that savings out. So that is another really big tip. This one says, first, I know that you have talked on your channel a lot about how you suffered from insomnia. I have also had on and off struggles with insomnia for around five years now. I was wondering if you had any advice on this issue specifically and how you try to prevent it and what you do if you find you have been tossing and turning for a long time and cannot fall asleep. Ooh, this is one I wanted to talk more in depth in because I've been mentioning it in a lot of videos but not really talking about it. And so first off, you're not alone. So many people struggle with insomnia. I have always been kind of a weird sleeper. Even in high school and middle school, I just had trouble sleeping, but it got really bad my sophomore year of college. Long story short, I just didn't feel very at home in my like home environment at that time. It just didn't feel like a safe, calm, relaxing place. And so I always associated my living space with anxiety and that really started to rub off on my sleep. And at this time, I couldn't fall asleep. I would have so much trouble actually getting to sleep at night. And then when I would fall asleep, it wouldn't be like quality sleep. I just always woke up feeling so exhausted. And I remember that year of my life, and I'm not kidding, it was literally a year, I just felt like a zombie. I did not feel present. I felt so tired. But my body just kind of got used to it, which is bad, but I just kind of like kept going. And as I started living in situations where I felt more comfortable in my living space, where I felt more at home, it got a little bit better, but it was still hard. And then now the thing that I struggle, the thing that I struggle with is I can fall asleep very quickly and I usually fall asleep very quickly, but I've been waking up in the night. So I wake up, toss and turn, go back to sleep, still don't really feel rested. So for me with having trouble falling asleep, the thing that has helped the most is retraining my brain to not associate sleep with anxiety. A lot of times when you struggle with insomnia, it's because you have those racing thoughts and a lot of times you learn to really fear sleep. Like you don't like going to bed and this is really common. This is always for me, especially that sophomore year. I never wanted to get in bed because it just made me feel anxious and so you have to retrain your mind that, you know, sleep isn't something that you associate with anxiety. So for me, something that I do that's really helpful is my bedtime routine is something I look forward to. I make it something that I just genuinely enjoy, something that I genuinely look forward to. So by the time it's 5.30, I usually shut off my work then. I don't like to work at night anymore. I used to do that when I had it really bad, but I don't work at night. I shut off my laptop. I put my laptop literally on my desk so it's out of sight, out of mind. I'm not thinking about work. 
and I will just relax. I will cook dinner for us, which is very relaxing for me. I will really try to take a hot shower and then we will just watch a show and go to bed after that. And I feel like having this set routine I do every night that I get in bed regularly at the same time has helped me immensely. Another thing, if you have racing thoughts, talk to someone or if you don't have someone write out your thoughts if you're worried about the next day you're worried about things that you might have to do like write them out or even just talk through them whenever you speak things out loud I really do feel like it loosens up the control that your thoughts have in your mind and it makes it seem just a little bit less hectic and anxious up there and so just getting that all out really helps a lot and that has helped me view my nighttime as something I look forward to and not something that I stress about. Now, there are also other things that you can do in a practical sense, like you can take melatonin. I'm not going to recommend that because I know everyone has very different opinions on melatonin, but I do take melatonin every now and then, and I do think it helps. I know there's a more natural supplement called valerian that a lot of people use. It honestly did nothing for me, but it's supposed to help with anxiety and another thing, I recently started taking supplements. I've talked about this here and there, but I really think my supplements have helped too. I started taking magnesium, which is supposed to also be helpful for kind of those racing thoughts. And I've been seeing a doctor for anxiety and that was something that he recommended as well. And so yeah, if the reason that you're having struggles sleeping is because of anxiety, I would recommend like seeing a therapist or a doctor because that can really help. I saw my doctor and I got just practical solutions that I might talk about in a later episode that have genuinely changed my life. And so yeah, don't feel afraid to go talk to someone. I think that sleep is one of those things that you just assume is going to get better. But when you're not sleeping well, like nothing else in your life goes well. And so I'd recommend just getting help on that because it's really, really important. But that's kind of my insomnia story and what worked for me. But you just have to find what works for you personally. Also, this is another thing. We sleep in our apartment with the air on 66 and it's kind of expensive to do that. But it has really helped my sleep as well. Also, just having a dark setting. So we keep things really dark and that helps a lot. And I know sleeping in a cold environment and a dark environment is supposed to help a lot with sleep as well. So maybe try that too. This one says, I'm a 23-year-old Christian woman who graduated from a Christian college that put a lot of pressure on dating and getting married. Almost all of my friends are in relationships, whether that be dating, engaged, or married. For a young woman who has never dated or been pursued by a man, it's easy to feel inferior, forgotten, and simply not enough. I believe wholeheartedly that God's plan is perfect for every individual, however, in a culture where success and joy seem to mean being pursued or chosen by a godly man whom you eventually marry, it's hard to accept that his plan for me may be very different and unique from those around me. As hard as I pray and read my Bible, I often feel alone and that I'm not good enough, and then I get frustrated that I let the enemy convince me of that. I guess what I'm asking is, while I know you and Aiden have been together for a while now, can you relate or give any advice on how to give confidence and hope, encouragement, that even if your life doesn't look the way others do, God still has a perfect plan and that he hasn't forgotten me? You are so not alone. And I really like how you mentioned that your college had this pressure. I do not know why there's just this insane pressure, especially on young women, to feel like they you know, have to get married and have to find and have to find someone so early in their life. And that that is like the way that you feel truly fulfilled because obviously marriage and finding someone that you really want to be with for the rest of your life, those are beautiful things. But 
that's not all life is about. And especially in the Bible, you know, God talks about much more than just that. And you think of Paul who was single and talks about singleness in such a high regard. And so I know it is really hard when you practically know that you are chosen by God and God still has a mission for you and God still has a purpose for you. But then you see your friends living this other way and you see people on Instagram or whatever it may be who seem like they're in these perfect relationships. But I just want to remind you that, like you said, those thoughts are from the enemy. They're not from God. And in a practical sense, something that has helped me, I mean, I was only single for like a month in between my relationships, but something that I really liked that month. I really felt like I threw myself into life. I threw myself into just new opportunities and threw myself into the things that I had before me. And, you know, marriage and just dating someone comes with a lot of responsibilities. And so I would just honestly say to pursue your calling in that moment wholeheartedly. And if you do want to find someone Oftentimes, that is when someone comes along when you are so into what you're doing in that moment and you're not even thinking about like finding a spouse or whatever. Like, that can be the time when you really do find someone. And so, I know it's really hard, and I know my words are anything that you don't know, but I just want to remind you that you are not alone, and there's so many people who feel this way. I think, especially right now, people just aren't dating as much and it's hard to meet people and our world is so different than it used to be like people are so siloed by technology and so life is just a lot different than it used to be in terms of like dating and all of that when transitioning from single to married life and moving into a place together what were your top three things you learned slash advice for that transition period my fiance and i are planning on moving to orlando which is super exciting but i will be uprooting my life from the town i grew up in And I have never left. I am excited but also nervous and fearful of change as I am someone who likes routine and to stay in my comfort zone. What is your advice slash what made your transition go smoothly? So my transition was definitely smoother because I had already lived here. I can't really touch on like moving to a new place in terms of moving and also getting married. But I will say most of our relationship was in New York City. So it was really the first time we were both living here in Texas together. And while I was used to living here because I had lived here since March before we got married, it did still feel new for our relationship. And I can just say it is really tough when you move somewhere new together in terms of like that and you're having all the change of getting married So I would just first say cut yourself some slack and don't be too hard on yourself to, you know, have pressure to transition really smoothly. We were really well aware that it was going to be tricky in some sorts and we'd have to work things out and have to get used to things, especially in terms of like both working from home together. We knew it would be a little bit more difficult. And so we were just kind of easy on ourselves and didn't try to like make each other feel pressure to transition a certain way and I think that's easier said than done but whenever you find yourself maybe getting like a little bit you know like bickering about certain situations we would kind of step back and like laugh about it and just kind of say like oh this is like part of the process like it's not that big of a deal and in your mind I think situations seem more serious than they are and I also think there's so much pressure after you get married to kind of like make everything work right away and also it is such a big transition but you kind of assume like you just got married you're a newlywed everything needs to be perfect and just kind of letting those things go and just assuming that you're moving in with this 
human for the first time or if you're already living together even if you're moving to a state for the first time together that it's going to be hard and acknowledging that and two one that's just really common that you hear all the time but just having communication we communicate all the time about how we're feeling now and how things are going and we're very in tune with like we can tell when one of us has been home too long when one of us needs our alone time we recognize that and just talk about it And I think whenever you just let things kind of build up in your mind, they become problems when you're not talking about them. And so my biggest number two tip would just be to communicate. And we have like every Monday, we do our marriage journal that I've talked about and we just go through it and answer some questions and kind of like talk through our week. And it's really helpful to have that communication, even if you assume like, I'm only living with this person. I see them all the time. But often when you're just doing mundane things that you do all the time with this person, it can become monotonous and you don't actually talk through things. So I'd recommend that as the number two thing. And three would just be to do things out of the norm. I think you can get really caught up in just having a routine, especially now when you're moving to a new place, you don't know a lot of people. It can be easy just to stay home. And obviously I know like everyone's staying home right now, but try to kind of explore new places, do fun new things with this person. I find we really appreciate our life when you know, once a week we have that date night where we go out and kind of grab dinner or go to a museum or even just like walking around or when we do our weekend trips when we go to Austin or we did our tiny cabin that we went to. It always makes me appreciate our home more and our life together when we experience those new things together. So don't be afraid to kind of do things that are out of the norm and make sure you do them regularly too, even if that is just like doing like a different date night or something. So this is the last one I'm going to answer because I think this podcast is getting a little bit long, but this one is like social media related. So I wanted to switch it up, but it says... I'm very interested in starting to manage an influencer. I currently work in marketing, influencer marketing, but I've always wanted to try to work with one specific person from the influencer side rather than the brand side. I would love to help them grow, find brand partnerships, schedule photo shoots, negotiate contracts, and help brainstorm ideas for content. What would be your best advice for how to reach out to these influencers and how to get started? I know you had mentioned in a video that you work with a manager now. You could even tell me how you connected with them. So... My biggest tip for you, for the most part, most of my friends who have managers, we all are managed by people who are talent agents at talent agencies. So there are a lot of different agencies. I mean, some of the big ones are select. So for me, I'm actually with, this is something that I haven't talked about, but my dad works at a media agency and they just started like an influencer network. So they actually work with influencers and my manager Andrew works for this agency so he brings me all of my brand partnerships he negotiates them he does other stuff too but for the most part he just kind of handles my brand partnerships but if I kind of want to better understand my audience he helps me plan like content that will best fit my audience but he's great but he beforehand actually worked at a different agency so most of these talent managers are working at agencies so my biggest tip would be to reach out to the agencies and see if they're hiring. I know that a lot of them are pretty big and they have big rosters, so they're always needing new they're always needing new managers to cover their new clients. And so that would be my biggest tip and especially if you have influencer marketing experience from the brand side that's super helpful because you will know what works well for brand partnerships and it's really fun. I always think that being a talent manager would be so fun for influencers because 
I text Andrew pretty much every single day. We're in communication all the time with each other. He's someone I probably talk to the most every day because it is a very like hands-on job, but I will say it is very not very much a nine to five. And if that's something that you like, you kind of like working at weird hours or, you know, really reaching out to people, being a very communication focused person. He is great. He is really awesome in terms of the communication department. And for me, something I struggled with was just not being firm enough whenever I talked to brands or not, or just doubting myself with brands and not being great at negotiating. But it's nice having a third party who can just get in there and, you know, be firm with people because that's something that I wasn't. So if that's your personality type, I think you'd be great for it. But just try to reach out to those different talent agencies and you can literally just search like influencer management and see the different agencies that come up. So those are all the questions I'm going to answer. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, if you want to be in my next one, feel free just to follow me at Michelle Reed. Hopefully I will have my podcast Instagram set up soon, but That is always where I ask for questions and then I just get you guys to email me them because it helps me kind of reduce the amount that I get because I think sending an email takes longer than just like sending a DM so people are less likely to do it, which means I get really like quality questions because it takes longer to actually do it. But I'm so thankful that you guys sent them in and I am also so thankful that you guys listen. If you enjoyed, feel free to tag me in a story. That is the best way for me to actually get to talk to people is when they tag me in stories because it doesn't get moved to like my message requests and that is where I just totally like lose sight of responding to things. But when it's in a story, it's really nice. And I also just like seeing like if you guys are listening on a walk or in the car while you're doing homework, like it's my favorite thing on Mondays waking up and seeing stories of how you guys are listening to the podcast. So really means a lot to me and I'm so thankful for you guys and I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye friends. (laughs) 